Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. It's true! Fantasy Focus Baseball is back! It's a beautiful Tuesday morning, nice and balmy in Bucolic, Bristol, January 21st, 2020. I am Eric! He is Tristan. And our third wheel today is our top researcher, producer, all-around pal. He doesn't have a phone. Kyle Soppy. Hello, Kyle. How are you today? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Tristan, you all well? Everything good? I haven't talked to you in months. I, I heard you say something about 2020. I, I didn't change my calendar yet. Uh, your calendar probably says 2014 still. I know. Um, I gotta, I gotta take it down and put a new one. Hold on. I'll be back. Last time we talked was in September. They were actually playing baseball then. Um, so when lots, do they play baseball again? I can't wait. Lots has happened this off season. In fact, uh, Kyle got married to lovely Marissa and I, Kyle, I heard a rumor. I didn't see this myself. Oh, boy. What do you got? <laughs> I heard a rumor, and I didn't see him there, but you know the throwing of the bouquet thing? I heard that Tyler Chatwood was there, and he rudely pushed himself into the fray, took the bouquet from beautiful Marissa, and threw it about 50 feet wide of the unmarried ladies and hit the priest right in the head. Is that true? With a fastball. A fastball. Know, I mean, I mean they were quickly. You can't throw a slider that fast. So I heard Tyler was there and hit the priest with the bouquet. Is that true? <laughs> he was invited. Unfortunately, a no-show. But um, I could imagine this bouquet toss going. I mean, if he's not looking at his target, right? You're not supposed to look when you throw the bouquet? Well, I heard that uh, you were in the back stealing signs, and that's why he didn't want to throw oh. it over the plate. But then he couldn't throw it over the plate. Anyway, Even if he was looking, would he get his target? Come on. <laughs> congrats to Kyle Morris. Appreciate and also, that. Tristan, congrats to you, Tristan. I heard. I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't seen any validation on you know Insta what or whatever. I heard you adopted a wild boar into your family. Perhaps the same one that Johannes Cespedes fought off so valiantly. Is that true? <laughs> Best of luck if, it, if if true. In addition to your family, the wild boar. Have you named the wild boar? If I say, mm, am I in trouble? <laughs> well, you ate it? You ate the wild boar with bacon and barbecue sauce? Did you do that? I don't even know. How do you eat wild boar? Let's stop and talk baseball. All right, so we're going to do 45 minutes today on the Felix Hernandez signing with Atlanta coming right up. So I hope you're happy with that. Awesome. We'll also discuss Jerry Blevins, Juan Nicasio, Joe Multiply. Lots of people have signed recently. Only the big names here, folks. I am all fired up this Tuesday. Here's the buzz. All right. fired up. I know it. I am so fired. You know well, why? you know, I've been wanting to do a show for like the last four months, but nobody wanted to do it. So now here we are in January. And don't it's ask the- me what we're doing forward. I don't know when the next show is, but it'll be great. Uh, but this is our show for January. You're and, enjoying uh, the mathematics of this. You know how many days till pitchers and catchers? Please tell me. 20. Sticking with the 20 theme, yes, we're, we're you know, that close. Less I than felt, three weeks. I've felt over the years, I always used to like tweet when I used to tweet, like I couldn't wait for pitchers and catchers, but like that day, nothing really happens. You just see pictures of like players oh, in stuff warm happens. weather. What happens, Tristan? What happens that day? Ah, well, you know, going back to the whole bore comment, I'm, I'm in a, a shape of my life. Oh, that's right. Everybody's in the best shape of your life. Now, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape right now. Tristan, are you in good shape right now? You just came off vacation. You're in terrible shape. <laughs> I would, I would You're say in the worst probably shape not. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I probably logged more steps during my vacation than I did in the entire two months before it. 
total. A bad sign. But I probably also ate more food during it than I did in the previous two months total, and I ate a lot of food during the holidays. All so. Right, so you've doubled your weight. Kyle, you feeling good? You're in good shape? Oh, yeah. Best shape of my life, Eric. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, no, um, you're right. So we're going to deal with the cheaters after we talk about all the trades and uh, and the signings because uh, we want the good stuff first. So, Tristan, I'll ask you, like, who's the best player that switched teams? I guess Anthony Rendon. The would best be that... player? Yeah, I'm trying to figure this I out. I think you what... know who it is. The best player that switched teams this offseason. I guess I could probably figure it out if I yeah. looked at the – Probably a Yankee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Garrett Cole, of course. Garrett Cole with the Yankees. All right, so there's a lot of names to get to today and not a lot of time. Kyle's got much to do today, and I have to write a fantasy basketball column that millions will read. So Garrett, so we'll go quickly on all these players. Garrett Cole to the Yankees, does his value go up or down after last season? Neither. I'm breaking your rules. That's not one of the answers. Right off the bat. Neither. All right, number one pitcher off the board, I assume. Top ten player. Um we're all good with that. So uh, interestingly not, enough, we can't expect the same ERA and WHIP that we did last year. Can no, we? I think ERA is the one that that's going to shift because of the ballpark. Add potentially a quarter run to it, but uh, I hate to lean on wins. I hate to lean on things like quality starts where the bullpen holds some of those leads for him. I do think the Yankees bullpen is a little bit better than what the Astros had behind him. I think all these things are marginal changes anyway. Still going to get tons of K's. I like the fact that the Yankees are so very analytically driven now, and that kind of links to Cole and what he's strong at. I, I find it really interesting that at the beginning of the offseason, when he was a, a free agent, people were afraid to call him the number one fantasy starting pitcher. And now. now more people are. You know, and you you talked about the wins there and the Yankee bullpen and the switching of the ballparks. And I thought, you know what? If anybody's going to win 20 games this year, he has the best shot. If, if you're thinking about Cole versus DeGrom, I mean, it's reasonable that one can win 20 and one can win 10 with the same ERA and whip. Yes. That's a problem. Yes. Okay. I do think Cole's ERA is probably going to be higher than DeGrom's because of the league difference and the parks. But... Look, I, I mean, are we really worried about what happens nah, to Garrett Cole's ERA? And by the way, I have Scherzer. I originally had him as a number three starter. You know what? He's more brittle than the other guys. That's for a future show. That's called a tease, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, for a future show, is Scherzer top five for sure? Like, would you take him over Verlander? I don't know if I would now. I might not. I don't know if I would either. All right. Um, all right. Anthony Rendon. We'll go quickly now. Anthony Rendon going to the Angels shouldn't mean much of anything, right? For fantasy. It- yeah, it, it shouldn't. There's two factors at play for me. One is the the players from the NL switching to the AL. There's been a little bit of a history of sluggish starts. That means Aprils that aren't what you expect. So if you draft them, you're going to need to remain patient. The other is, wow, the Angels top of the lineup, the possibilities they now have there. Well, Trout's on base right now. He's waiting. I mean, they're, they're... right. Good, but good Trey Turner was on base a lot too, and you know, I mean, it's. It, it, I don't think it's a better lineup than what Washington had. Do you? No, but but it's a particularly intriguing top four there. What the Angels did was, that, first of all, they improved what was the worst third base situation in all of baseball last year. Mm-hmm. So so they made at one particular position the greatest improvement just by signing Anthony Rendon of anybody else in all of baseball. So that's a lineup plus for them, and also the top four guys. I mean, you link those those four together. They have a lot of good possibilities at the top of the order. You want to take Rendon around too? I have no problem with that. Uh, I'm not sure where I rank him or if I did rankings, but I'm gonna. I, I think if you you want a consistent player, he's hit over 303 consecutive seasons. You know the power is going to be there. You know Trout's going to be on base. I love Rendon. You want to take him around too? I'm okay with that. Rendon versus Devers is going to be a common spring training yeah. debate because we can't assume stolen bases for Devers ever again. I won't. I won't assume that. 
Right. I think I think oh man, but we all rank Devers ahead, don't we? Yeah, and you know who's probably going to come into that debate, depending on potential future news, is Nolan Arenado. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that later in the show with the questions uh, that you tweeted in. All right, so third, sticking with third base, Josh Donaldson. He played in 155 games last year. That's an awful lot for Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Uh, in a keeper league, not so sure about it. But for 2020, this is a pretty good guy to have. Like, I won't compare him to Rendon because of the batting average, but the power numbers, you can make a case in that line. That's an improved lineup. Well, I mean, he was in a great lineup in Atlanta, too. So, Josh Donaldson, you like or dislike? I like the the numbers game at third base makes it difficult to give me to to give you a good top X. He's uh, outside in, in your top ranks. hundred. That seems odd to me. Well, not in the update. That that okay. The the so I've so recently why published would he move that. Up? <laughs> why would he move up because of going from Atlanta to Minnesota? Because as a free agent, there were too many negative possibilities involved. Now, right. granted, there was Texas on the board, but uh, I, I kind of felt over the past couple of weeks that that wasn't going to be the likely destination. At the beginning of the, the offseason, I didn't think Texas was a likely destination either. That would have been a, a pretty positive spot. Minnesota is a good one for him, though. Uh, it's better for right-handed power than people think it is. It's actually a, a pretty good one for that. Uh, it's a homer-friendly lineup, so they'll turn it over a lot. That means a good amount of plate appearances as you mentioned he played fully healthy last year and i i do think that he can keep that up it, it's it, the other thing too y- if you want to talk about consistency what i just said about nl guys going to the al well he was an al guy before last year so i don't think there's any major adjustment involved either over under 135 games not to be uh, negative but i think yeah, that's realistic I, I, you know i, I want to take the over there because they've got depth marlin can play third williams Estadio can play third like they they don't have to play him they can sit him like they did Nelson Cruz last year. I'm a little concerned well, with Cruz the durability. Some time with the injury. I, I I like your question here, and it's it needs to be asked of people. I'm, I'm going to lean avoiding. towards the over. I don't think they're going to rest him that often. I think it's going to be because of a DL stint or an IL stint if he misses that much time. All right, quickly, other bats. Mike Mustakas, the third baseman, playing second base. 35 home runs, and now going to Cincinnati. Quebec cleanup. That's a good spot for him, don't you think? It, it is. I, I do think it helps for the long term aspect i think there's a little bit of a dynasty bump not a huge one but but enough to notice with getting second base as the eligibility it's a good park for him so i don't really downgrade him at all from from that angle and, and that's another situation of it's an underrated lineup around him Mustakas versus donaldson i will take Mustakas, and not just because he plays second base i just think he's going to put up better numbers and play more now you have both of them outside your top 100 did you move Mustakas too or no i did move Mustakas, but yeah i did that already uh i actually have Mustakas. uh let's see he him. was no, I actually, just, I, I, yeah, Donaldson with Minnesota, I, I put ahead of Mustakis. I right. have him pretty close, though. Yeah, I think you can make a case either way. I just feel like Mustakis has a better shot of playing 150 games than Donaldson does. And I think the power numbers will be kind of similar, actually. And they were last year. I mean, people don't realize Mustakis had a really good year. Yeah, he did. All right, speaking of power, Didi Gregorius is a Philly now. Um, obviously, last season, 2019, when I say last season, not so great. But coming back from the Tommy John surgery. But leaving Yankee Stadium, he pulled every home run. Now he's going to Philadelphia. Is he going to continue with his 44% fly ball rate? I have some concerns here. I think he could end up with 25 and 80 just by playing every day. But I don't know. I'm a little – I might be fading him too. Do you, what do you think? Um, it, it depends what the market says, but I would lean towards them being pessimistic. I like your 25 and 80. I think he can meet those with relative ease. It's a good park for power. Um, Didi's – Last year needs to effectively be thrown away from two aspects. One, the park thing. <laughs> you know, Yankee Stadium, 
You and I talked about this about two weeks ago. Yankee Stadium actually graded one of the worst parks for power last year. It shows the the folly of single-year park factors. It's known as great for left-handed power, especially fly ball guys who pull it like Didi does. Philly also plays well to those kinds of guys. And I think that the fact that he pushed himself to get back so quickly from Tommy John's surgery last year worked against him statistically. I think he's going to become more of the hitter he was two years ago. I like him as a very big bounce-back candidate. White Sox lineup looks really nice to me, and nobody seems to be talking about it. Uh, they added Yasmani Grandal. They added Edwin Encarnacion to probably be their designated hitter. Noam Rizar comes over in a trade from Texas. Luis Robert was promised. Uh, they He signed a, a, a contract, so now he's going to be their opening day center fielder. So this lineup looks a whole lot different than last year. I tried to make the case that Grandal was the number one catcher. I settled with number two. Edwin, uh, every year, is underrated. Mazar, I'm not a big fan of. Every year it's 20 home runs and that's it. But maybe it goes up now. Maybe he's a change of scenery guy and Robert. Talk about the White Sox lineup and your thoughts. So uh, I think it's Robert for the for, for first one. I, but I want a ruling on this. So if anyone's listening and has the official word on it, I want to know. Is it well, I'm going to call, him, I'm gonna call him Ricky Bobby now. Yeah, there we go. Um <laughs> I like the fact that he signed that deal so we know now that there's every reason to play him every day. And I'm a very big fan of, of Robert as a prospect, and I'm still a very big fan of Eloy Jimenez. I think there's a lot of growth coming this year. Takes a big step forward. I feel the same way about Vladimir Guerrero in year number two. Um, I, I think that this is a good park for the power involved with any of these guys. So to your Grandel point about making him a potential number one catcher, I think he could contend for that spot. I'm not going to draft him that way because I think there's more volume coming from a guy like Real Muto, especially where he's going to hit in that lineup. I think Grundell is kind of a play for home runs. I don't know that he's as complete a hitter. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion, it's a very good landing spot for him. Uh, I don't know how much first base he's really going to play. We'll see. Uh, he's got the eligibility anyway. Um, who was the other guy you mentioned? I have no idea. Oh, no, no more Mazzara. I'm with you. Change of scenery is about the only positive I think we can grant him. I'm not drafting no more Mazzara anymore. I mean, how many times do I have to get hit over the head here? I know he's only 24 years old, Tristan, but like... What's the upside on Mazar? It just seems like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. 20 and 75, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, what else is there? I, I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think he's an especially great player either. And I think the potential's there, but we've we've waited so long now. And he was in a, I'd argue, slightly better situation in Texas previously than he's going to be in in Chicago. It's more of a home run-oriented park than an all-around positive for offense. It's a good one, but it's not Texas. Well, let's transition to the Chicago pitching and then get to the pitchers. Dallas Keuchel is now on the White Sox. So is Gio Gonzalez. Um, what What's that mean? for Dallas Keuchel is not an upside pitcher for fantasy. Most people are not going to have him in their top probably 50. Is he a top 50 starting pitcher? Is he a guy you can count on? He should be durable. It's not a lot of strikeouts, although it might be more than people thought last season. Mm-hmm. But your thoughts on Keuchel switching teams. Does it matter for fantasy? I think it does because of the Grandal point from before, in that Grandal is one of the best framers out there, and Keuchel is one of the pitchers who needs to get the favorable calls in order to get that little bit of a bump fantasy-wise. Uh, and we saw this in a couple of years here in Houston in the past, where he had the right catchers. If he can get those favorable counts, in fact, in the Cy Young year, he had an absurd rate of non-strike, called-strike pitches. If he can get anything like that in Chicago, which I think is likely with Grandal, I do think there's going to be some value. I think people might treat him as a non-top 50 starter. I think at the end of the year, he's about 40th on the starting pitching list. Dallas Keiko or Corey Kluber? Kluber. Now, but why do you say that so positively? Like, so you think he's going to bounce back here? 
I want swings and misses. In this game nowadays, I want swings and misses. I, I think the point about the injury question with Kluber is a valid one, but he still gets more swings and misses and by a good amount. I agree. I would take Kluber too. But I don't feel so comfortable that I'm getting like 28 starts and a strikeout per inning. Do you feel – because he's, he's not going to a place where it's going to be easy in the summer. Right, yeah. I, I think that's something that's going to work against him. Texas, for those him. who didn't Google it. I, I, I mean, I like what Texas is doing, and they have five legit starting pitchers here. But Corey Kluber, you have number 26 among starters, and that seems a little generous, is it? Yeah. So <laughs> – one thing that I – well, I mean, other than the injury question, the other thing that kind of gets to me a little bit is it's a new ballpark in Texas. I don't know what the factor is going to be like comparative to the last one, so I don't want to dock him based on the fact that the previous Globe Life, Globe Life Park oh, – man, I never get that name right. Globe Life Park uh, was so favorable. And isn't it like Globe Life Stadium now? <laughs> well, this, the fences, they tried to do it similarly, but it's going to have a different, like, wind Right, what I've heard. So yeah, and that's a big factor. Different. That's okay. a big factor. So why would you take Kluber over Madison Bumgarner, who's now in Arizona? Like we know what Bumgarner is, and the, his three point nine zero ERA was the worst of his career, but it still isn't like worse shouldn't be there. Like that's not bad. You're you're, you're not losing your league because of Bumgarner's three ninety ERA. You're losing it if Kluber has a five eighty or makes only seven starts. So is that right. upside versus uh, you know reliability in this point in this case? Yeah, and that kind of contrasts with the Keuchel debate, is, is do you want to go with the safer guy? And and the other thing about the, quote, safer guy is that I think that, that guys like Bumgarner and Keuchel are going to be more consistent start over start than Kluber is going to be. And that comes a little bit into the ballpark there, is that things could go very badly for Kluber in a way that I don't expect them to for uh, Bumgarner or for Keuchel. All right, fair enough. Um, any other players that we didn't mention that you would like to talk about? I mean, I think Cole Hamels is going to be, and I say this every year, is going to be a draft day bargain. Like, people aren't going to draft Hamels maybe at all, but I think I'd rather have him than Keiko, to be honest with you. Um, Julio Tehran, I'm not interested. Jose Martinez, I don't get that. Like, how's he going to get 500 at bats or PAs in Tampa Bay? He's not. Um, but they're going to be maximized PAs because I like what the Rays do. Without left maxi- they maximize their matchups. So he might platoon like with uh, like a lefty hitter, uh, ch- uh, the cho- first baseman. Um, like I could see something like that happening with Choi at first base, right? Choi at first base, but I, I think Jose. If you're, I don't think Jose, Mar- Jose Martinez has to be drafted in a in a standard ESPN league. I just don't. Or Travis Shaw, who's now in Toronto. I'd agree. I think Martinez is going to fall in that that bin of, because the ESPN daily format allows you the day-to-day flexibility, I think Martinez is going to be a good guy to stash for those for that sole purpose. I don't think he's going to belong in ones that are playing for Roto, playing in weekly, and the like. I guess we forgot about Tommy Pham here. Um, The well-traveled Tommy Pham, in a general sense, I I try not to overrate things, but when a guy gets keeps getting moved, I get scared. Is that realistic? Is that is that is that, is that something that I should be doing? Tommy Pham's on his third team in three seasons. Why is that? Why does nobody want him or everybody wants him? I, that worries me. And he's he's not young. People think of Tommy Pham as twenty five. He's like thirty two now. I have concerns here moving to San Diego about the games, about the stolen bases. He's a good player. I'm not saying I'm taking Trent Grisham, his new teammate, over him, but I think I'm fading Tommy Pham this season. What do you think? Uh, I I like, like fam. Um, I I you have number see, twenty among outfielders over. Yeah. Wow, you have him over Austin Meadows. You can't make that case, Tristan. Make that case for me. I love Austin Meadows. He's great, and I think there's more in him, more upside. Why yeah. would you take fam over Meadows? 
it's something I'll probably circle back to look You're at. Gonna change it in like a no. This see the thing is I mean Meadows didn't really give us consistency for the entire year last year. You are going a little bit for upside. I do like him a lot. It's it's not meant to be a criticism. I'm a fam fan. I I think the say thing that, that bugs ten times me fast. What's that? Say fam fan 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 bacon sauce fan fam. You did a good job. Nailed it. Wow. You know what? Kudos to you. I was lucky. <laughs> Better to be lucky than good. Um, to your point about San Diego, though, I, th- I think, first of all, the Rays looked at the age you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I get bothered by the fact that the Padres just keep hoarding outfielders. That bugs me. From a playing time perspective, one of the things I like about Fam is that, I mean, he-, he hits high in the lineup. He plays a good amount of time when he's healthy. I, I think... <sighs> I do like him, but I also am scared of him. I- I- you want to get out in the- a year too early as opposed to a year too late. I... Maybe maybe it's irrational. It might be irrational. I'm, I'm not. I just. I think if Fam and Meadows are on the board at the same time, I'm taking Meadows. And I think with some of the other outfitters you had, like Nicholas Castellanos, still isn't on a team as of this taping. Right. But yeah, I think I'd probably end up with Castellanos too. Eloy Benintendi. I don't know what to do with Benintendi. That was a terrible season. I want to believe in Benintendi, but I, I have too. nothing concrete. Like I would take Michael up. Brantley. Like Brantley's not going to steal as many bases as Fam. And well, no. you're going to take Michael Brantley, huh? I like Michael Brantley. <laughs> You're going with that team? <laughs> the final look. All right, new on. segment of the show, apparently. All right, but so before we get to the elevator music, we got to talk about the Houston Astros. And let's be real about it. We're talking from a fantasy aspect only. That's all that matters to us is the fantasy baseball show. So let's not confuse anything. But something actionable did happen over the last couple of weeks, Tristan. So I want to I want to ask your opinion on it. So NFBC, our friend Greg Ambrosius, and they do a great job at the NFBC. They, they have drafts all the time. In fact, we have one starting tomorrow. And... Um, Alex Bregman slipped out of the top 20 in recent drafts, and Jose Altuve has slid outside the top, I think, 30 in most of their drafts. And these are not, these are people like our draft tomorrow is just for fun, but these are people that play for thousands of dollars. So they think that Astros hitters, I believe, are going to be a little bit different than they were in past seasons. Do you believe that? Are you adjusting your rankings based on the scandal of last week, or is this much ado about nothing for fantasy? I think it's more much ado about nothing than anything. I think that there is going to be some sort of impact and regression, but I, I don't feel we have a right to that. I mean, that severely. I mean, you're talking about Alex Bregman was a candidate for the top five overall picks entering this offseason to drop him down to a borderline second rounder. Well, in this case, in an NFBC, that's a very clear second round pick. But that's that's us. You know, I mean, like Bregman drop. slugged. Better on the at ho- on the road last season, didn't he? Yeah, but I don't know that the one year home road splits really are going to tell us He's an awful lot. Just a great player, that. like Bregman and Altuve are fantastic. Jordan Alvarez. Most people do better. Most hitters and pitchers do better at home in home games. You're more comfortable. Sure. It's your own ballpark. You're playing there 81 times a year. So the fact that Jordan Alvarez slugged like 94 points higher at home doesn't mean much to me in terms of like uh, he was a regression candidate to start with. But I don't want to assume that Bregman, Altuve, Springer, Correa are going to struggle this year. And I think it's I think it's kind of wrong for us to move them um, in the rankings. And I don't think I want to do it. Like, I guess a push came to shove. Like, I'm looking at where you have Bregman. And, yes, you have him in top 10. Yep. So, and we'll get to Arenado with some questions. If you wanted to take Juan Soto over Alex Bregman, I think I would have been okay with that anyway before all the scandal came down. But 
there's a drop off to me in the hitters. So your top ten right now, or your top five: Trout, Acuna, Yelich, Betts, Lindor, Bellinger. That's six guys. That's a tier to me. All right, I don't have Trout number one. I have Acuna number one. He's going to steal more. He's going to play more. By the way, Trout hasn't even played in 140 games in any of the last three seasons. People are overlooking that. I, I have him third. So that's a top six tier. Mm-hmm. After that, there's a drop off. Bregman, Arenado, who could be a Cardinal tomorrow. Soto, who doesn't steal a ton of bases. Uh, Devers, I don't think is going to run. A lot of hit, a lot of pitchers here. Freddie Freeman. So Jay where Martinez. does Bregman belong? I think he's almost in his own tier after the top six. And, and I would have argued initially he belonged in that top tier. And I still lean a little bit towards him belonging in that top tier today. I, I don't know how much this is going to adversely impact him. Think about what specifically is taken away here. If there was a system going on that's now gone going into the season, what does that mean exactly? Does that does that mean you know five, ten home runs? Does it mean twenty points in batting average? Yes. You got to remember what what this stuff means about getting the advantage on pitches, knowing what's coming. Is that that's a split second to make a decision? Why are we judging that these players are going to regress that much statistically from? You know, no concrete data. It seems odd to me. And by the way, and we've talked about this on the show since since infancy, whenever that was a decade ago, maybe you don't like a player, okay? And for whatever reason, and maybe you don't like Astros right now. Yep. All right? I didn't like Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds helped me win fantasy championships and sim championships. Yep. I, I still rostered him because I wanted the numbers. You have to separate fantasy and reality. You're not having dinner with these players. You want them on your fantasy team because they're going to hit a lot of home runs. Steal a lot of bases, things like that. You're buying a set of statistics. Yeah, so you got to separate this. We, 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 no morality here. We've got to open this up to the greater picture too. There's another team that could potentially be facing Boston. a discipline of their own. Yeah, two but, two teams fired their managers over the or or all made right, so agreements. We don't know who the new managers of the Yank of, of the the Red Sox or the Mets are. There's Red a Sox, lot of Astros, and Mets. And so when we find out who the new managers are, then I can ask you, you know, if Dusty Baker's managing, what does that mean, you know, for right. base dealers or young players and all that? But right. until now, it's all just guessing. But you know? to the point of expanding it beyond just the Astros. What right do we have to say that this isn't going on to some degree amongst all 30 right. teams? It is possible that there are other examples and that these other teams are going to realize we're going to be punished harshly and we're shutting it down. And maybe that has a league-wide effect. We don't know that. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think uh, that we should not be punishing these players in fantasy. This is not Hall of Fame voting. I'm, go- I'm going to have a Hall of Fame vote in a couple of years. I'll be lucky enough. It's 10 years after you join mm-hmm. the BBWAA. I can't wait. Me and Schoenfield, we're going to be voting. It's going to be fun. From, and from. I- I'll vote for Bonds and Clemens and A-Rod because I want the numbers, but there's a morality play here, you know, the integrity clause or whatnot. So maybe these players will be judged that way. And maybe as Buster only says in his video on ESPN's, uh, you know, baseball coverage that pitchers are going to, Clevenger's going to throw up Bregman in the first time they play. Fine. From fantasy purposes, I don't think we should downgrade these players. And I don't, and we as a group are not going to do that because I've, I've also spoken to Todd Zola, our, our, projections guru about this he also is in agreement about this that he doesn't think that there's enough here to make a significant statistical shift projection wise i don't i think there's a buying opportunity if uh adps like the nfbcs are showing that much of a drop-off i think that's a buying opportunity well put now time for some fancy elevator music and your hash browns all right um Let's go to this one first. It's Eric. Worth dropping Arenado at all, given his disappointment in the Colorado Browns. This is a story just to, took off uh, in the last 24 hours. I think Nolan Arenado was kind of on the trade block maybe the past month or two because of his contract situation. He's obviously a great player. 
Uh, but now I think th- there's going to be a trade, like in the next couple of weeks. I think Colorado almost has to move him. So we have to wait and see where he goes. But in a general sense, Tristan, this is a guy who has some ma- massive home road splits. Like the Larry Walker of, of current day, okay? And I hope Larry Walker gets into the Hall of Fame later today, but I fear he's not going to. I think it's just going to be Jeter. I want Walker in, but those numbers, home road splits, it's almost like no Colorado player can make the Hall. But from a fantasy aspect, no one or not is not going to be a top 10 player in, in NFBC drafts this week if there's a fear that he ends up, you know, on Milwaukee or yeah. St. Louis or somewhere else. It is a 196-point career OPS split. That's a problem. And what else we got here? The, the BABIP is really, really, really extreme. Yeah, that was the thing about... I didn't realize Larry Walker's BABIP in course was like 380 or something. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it is quite a bit high. I will remind that that Coors Field's BABIP as Yes, a, it's higher, but whole. it's second of all time. And I don't remember what number one was. I think I saw it on MLB. In terms of players? All time, like highest career BABIP home or road, and Walker was like second of all time, which right. was amazing. The other Coors, player was not Rockies. Course generally inflates at a good twenty to twenty five points comparative to even the the you know the the next best. Uh, oh yeah, stadium just because of the spacious outfield. But I think right now I'd rather have Freddie Freeman than Nolan Arenado in fantasy, just because of the. If I'm drafting today, and I am <laughs> in a league tomorrow, I think I want, I want Freeman over Arenado. And there's two things at play here. One, I'm scared Arenado leaves and ends up with he's still going to be a 3,000 player, but he's not going to be hitting three something. No, okay. So theoretically, throw him into Texas where there is a need. They did want to get involved in the big name free agent third baseman. So they got I know the Todd father now. They don't need him. They got Todd Frazier. Okay. <laughs> I think they even have said that that's not going to prevent them from trying to trade for Arenado if the price is right. If he is in Texas, I mean, are you are you really going to move him that much? It's still a difference, Tristan. It's still not Coors. It I might agree. be the number one ballpark outside of Coors, but, but it's still not Coors. I, I agree with you. Now, I raised that question because I think people are going to consider that a safety net. I don't like the idea of the first year away from Coors Field. And I get that Matt Holiday going to, back to a great past example where he left, he didn't fall off the table statistically. So it's not that I want to move Arenado down several rounds. It's that Adapting to a new situation at a different altitude, yes. even from the home run aspect, I throw Corey Dickerson as the next example. It takes a little bit of time. That's the thing. It takes them time to change, to alter what they're doing. That's why the road numbers are not nearly as good as they should be when they are a Colorado player because they're going from series to series like that. They have a whole spring training and they have a whole season. I know people are going to think this is ridiculous, but it's really not. And I think studies show that. So I think right now I would move Arenado from like 8 to like 14 or 15. That's what I want to do. Yeah, and, and I think that comes into your rankings philosophy because I still have that little yeah. call, COL, on my rankings. I'm keeping him there because that's the assumption that on opening day and for the rest of the year, he's playing in Colorado. I think he'd be very hard to trade. And I'm going to move pitchers up. Like, Cole's going to be, like, my number seven. DeGrom's going to be, like, in the top ten. Verlander, Scherzer. Would you actually I have Trey Turner them? higher than you do. But, yeah, I would take a pitcher now because... My philosophy, and we'll get to this on, on future shows. We're going to have shows every week in February. My, my philosophy is altered. It has to alter now. There's pow- power everywhere. I have no idea what the baseball is going to be like, but there's only a certain amount of aces, and I want one of them. Yep. You know, and if that means taking Jack Flaherty in round three, then I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm not saying I for sure will take Garrett Cole or DeGrom if I have a late first-round pick, but I'm not saying I'm going to avoid it anymore either. You know, I mean, also- Flaherty, Nola, I'm getting myself an ace now. 
Considering what you had mentioned before, raising the Scherzer question, the question should also be raised about players who have been around for a while and great in Chris Sale, Clayton Mm -hmm. Kershaw. We have some guys who are typically considered clear aces, top 20 guys who do have some questions about them. So getting a guy, even if it's not one of them, who can lead your staff, I do think there's a benefit to that. I agree. All right, other questions. Chip, can you rank these former stars in terms of your confidence in 2020? Benintendi, Goldschmidt, and Kluber. We dealt with Kluber there. He does not belong in, in this conversation uh, for rankings because Kluber is not a top 100 player on draft day. Um, Benintendi and Goldschmidt are top 50. Let me see where you have them. Now, how much are you fading Benintendi? Because, I mean, that was a bad season, but we know what he's capable of. You have him at 67 Well, now. do we know what he's capable of? Well, I don't think I we think do. I think we no, he's capable of more than that. We said this about we we mentioned Nomar Mazara earlier in the show. Five, and so I'm treating them differently. That's fair. No, it's it's that could Benintendi end up being the next guy who we've been chasing for five years? No, I never and thought about that. You're isn't right. going to happen. You're right. That's it's it's three years. Twenty homers, sixteen homers, thirteen homers, uh, steals from twenty twenty one to ten batting average. He just fell apart last year. Although his OPS was the same as it was as a rookie. So it didn't fall apart all that much. He had 40 doubles. You know, they could bat him second again. Or they could bat him sixth. That, that's going to be a big deal, too. Is J.D. Martinez batting him in, or is he batting Martinez in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Goldschmidt, I mean, other than the stolen bases, I mean, what are we concerned with here? Like, he was a little bit streaky. So, I mean, and then next year it could be like a three-month three, three month streak. But he ended up with 30 and 100, and batting errors dropped. But the fact that he only attempted four stolen bases, I assume now he's not going to steal 10 again. Yeah, and I think that might be a little bit team philosophy related. Uh, I think it it does have a little bit of an influence there. Goldschmidt's patterns for me, um, I mean, I think we can discard some of the early struggles to changing teams, new environment, new ballpark, and and that. Uh, He has started to slow down against fastballs specifically over the past two years. When he has had slumps, it's been related to hitting that particular pitch. That signifies a little bit aging to me. So I think this is just the natural curve. I'm confident enough that there's another good year in him. But he, it's good to get him in this question because the the age issue is going to become a bigger problem going forward. Jack writes, um, Austin Meadows continues to rise up the boards. What are your expectations? Is he a true five-tool guy? Uh, so we, we mentioned him, so we won't go deep on this now. But if you ask me to write a column... On five guys who could be first-round picks in 2021, I think Meadows might be on that list, Tristan. I'm not saying he will be, but I think there's more here, and I think he's more durable than we think. I think he will steal bases. I think the power is real. I mean, who knows? Anybody's power is real now. But if you said to me, name a guy outside the top 50, and I don't think you have him in your top 50, who could be a top 10 guy, I think Meadows would be on that list. Okay. Yeah, I can get behind. Tell me that. I'm wrong. Like, is that? That's I not don't crazy. think you're wrong. I, I look. The the thing with Meadows is it's it's interesting that based on where my ranking is, it looks like I'm fading him or pessimistic about him, and I'm I'm not. I, I've I've probably been one of the most pro Austin Meadows fans for years, and going back to the minor leagues. So I do think the talent is there, and actually, some of the stuff I saw last year was very encouraging. I'd love to give you that breakthrough. He's gonna be a first round talent this season. But I, I was bothered by the, the, the hefty inconsistency. I mean, his June was positively brutal. You're right. You're right. He was streaky. And maybe he was had an injury. But I'm trying it's to possible. think of... I'm thinking of hitters, specifically, who could end up being top 10 overall players. 
I think Meadows, I mean, obviously Mondesi, if he hit for power, stayed healthy, stole bases. I mean, Mondesi could do it. Hura, like, that's a future yeah. monster if he wants to be, if he can just, you know, put it all together. Um, he stole bases. So, I don't know. Just something to think about. But, yeah, I mean, that's a five-tool guy. Stay healthy. Yeah. Even in Tampa. Uh, Bill, everything I read seems to be pushing pitching early. Is this the year of the pitcher? What's your early opinion on the pitching landscape? I think I mentioned it 10 minutes ago. I mean... Two pitchers, I think, have to be considered first-round picks. Maybe five or six in the top 20. Verlander, Scherzer, maybe Flaherty. I mean, I think this is the... I think you need two aces to contend. Or unless you get lucky. I mean, you can draft Lance McCullers around 25 and, and he becomes an ace. But, I mean, the way I'm viewing it this year is kind of like... And you know me. I've never done this before. But if I'm taking Flaherty and Strasburg consecutively around three and four, I think I think it's worth it now. I yeah, I can't argue with that at all, third and fourth especially. Um, I, I think that, that the argument to be made for getting lucky with pitching and getting a guy who carries you, yeah, that's going to happen, and it happened a little bit more so last year. It felt like, at least to me, than it did in the previous seasons. I think it's going to be very difficult to, to figure out who those pitchers are, and I would also argue that because of what some of these stories were, they were not six-month breakthrough stories. I mean... Yeah, okay, Hyunjin Ryu had a great year last season, and it was the majority of the year. He still did have that brief IL stint. I mean, but could you have seen that coming in the preseason? No, and I, I I kind of agree with you here. It's a little bit harder to find potential aces later. Now, you well, can you get can, lucky. You can, but but for but guys who are going to do for it six for months. six months, that's even four or five months. Tyler Glasnow being a great example of it last year. When The people who got Glasnow early in the year felt like, oh, wow, I've got this in the bag now, and it didn't go so well You're in right. the second half. I was riding high in NLA with Brandon Woodruff, Julio Tehran, faking my rotation, and then when one got hurt and then one started to be bad, then I fell apart and lost the DVR. It, it happens that way. Um, that's why I think... A strong base, especially with innings going down among starting pitchers, you need a stronger base than normal. So, yeah, two of the top 15 starting pitchers, I want that on my fantasy team. And that may be Corbin or Bieber, Clevenger. Uh, that's, I'm okay with that. If my number two starter is, like, you have Severino ranked 21. I probably have him, like, 41. Like, I, I think really? you, you can't take chances. You can't. I don't want to take a chance. Now, I don't think that's as big of chances. You don't think Severino's a risk? He's a huge risk. Oh, I definitely think he's a risk. I also think there's an awful lot of players, once you get outside the top 15, who have a good amount of risk involved. You're right. You're right. Among starting pitchers, I mean, Severino, you have 21 here. You have Carrasco, 23. We have no idea what that's going to be. Trevor Bauer, is he an ace again, or is he what he was last year? Yeah. Um, there's Darvish. Soroka can't do that again. I mean, there's a lot of... Risk here, which is why I don't want to take a chance. Like, I'm almost like targeting Jack Flaherty right now. I keep mentioning him. What other questions are there here? Um, Ben writes, more 2020 upside, Luis Castillo or Shane Bieber? I think we've seen the upside on both, haven't we? Like, Bieber can't be better than that, can he? I would have a hard time seeing it. This is the best he's going to do. He might do it again. I didn't look, I don't look at Bieber as fluky. I really don't. I think that's legit, man. That's that is all goodness. And fourteenth player on the uh, you know, overall last year. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't think he's going to do that. Well, that's different because if you look at pitching versus hitting. I mean, there was such a, a dearth of strong starting pitcher options at the top that it affects the player rater. Also, there's so much power that 
you know, a 25 homer season that we might have viewed previously as top 20 is just not as special anymore. But wasn't he top five overall among pitchers? I'm trying to get the exact number as I watch my spreadsheet spin around and not recalculate for me. Um, I mean, yeah, Bieber I just don't see there being year. upside there. Does he repeat? See... Bieber can't do that again to that degree. Okay, here, actually, uh, it, a question tying into the last one. Bieber and Flaherty, who, who have you got in terms of being uh, the the ability to repeat last season? Who do you think is more likely? I have Flaherty. I, we both have Flaherty ranked ahead of Bieber, but like it's close for me. It's closer than you, you have it. I, I'm and I'm, I've started to see some anti-Flaherty sentiment out there in the industry. I am very much a pro-Flaherty guy because I do believe in the strength of that slider. It gives him a very good combination of pitches. That's the strikeout, the mm. out pitch, and I trust it. It's it's the simple reason I give him a slight edge over Bieber there. But to your point, you're right. We watched Bieber a lot last season. We scouted him in, in, extensively. He made some major improvements that suggest I don't think there's going to be severe regression. Well, I got him in all my sim leagues, and I got lucky. So <sighs> I know you did. By the way, before I forget, can you email me the player writer? Thanks. Um, <laughs> one more question. I'll take care of that. This yeah. is Peter. Bounce, bounce back from Machado. How about Chris Davis, the uh, the good one on Oakland? Um, yeah, Machado is really interesting, Tristan, because that was not a good year, and you have him ranked number thirty five, which I think is fair. I thought there was going to be a motivation question mark after signing that long term contract that there wouldn't have been with Harper, and Harper had a better year. Machado about two fifty six, but the power was there. He just didn't feel like stealing bases. Everything else looked okay, right? I mean, walk rate didn't really change. K rate was up a little bit. 796 OPS was, I mean, that's, that's not good for him, but he still had 32 home runs, 85 RBI. He could do better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Davis, Oakland, that was all injury with Chris Davis. I believe so, yes. So who is, who hits more home runs in 2020? Between those two? Machado Davis. and Chris Davis. Davis. So you're confident Chris Davis bounces back to like 35 home runs? I because Machado's hitting 35 home runs. I think I I feel like I should. I've ranked it that I'm not going to draft this way, and I won't draft this way. But right now, and when we you know when spring training camps open, if he has a clean spring training, then I'm going to be completely on board. I I feel like Davis is going to bounce back in a pretty significant way. I I do like Machado. I don't know if the batting average returns for him, and I'm trying to be fair with not allowing the upside and the younger players and the the history Machado you you know how I've been pro Machado for years I'm trying to be a little bit more fair about not getting carried away with that that's why I answered Ben Attendee's question the way I did I like the guy but I want to be realistic so you would take Machado over Ben Attendee you yes. have to yes but I think everybody's going to do that and I don't think it's going to be close I agree Machado you got him in round four that feels fair to me I think what's going to end up happening is that we'll be we'll we'll you and I and, and a lot of people are going to be fading Machado at the price and all in on Chris Davis at the price. Yeah, let me see where you have Davis because... Probably like 150. Yeah, you have him around 13. That That's fine. Fourth DH off the board. How many actual DHs? There's, uh, there's a good number. Nelson Cruz, Chris Davis. It's Jordan Alvarez, Nelson Cruz, Shohei Otani. Well, Otani will have the pitching too. Chris Davis, Miguel Andujar is the one that's going to catch people. Nick Solak, uh, Brennan McKay, Jed Lowry. Wow. Jed Lowry, great season. All right, we're done for today. Thank you so much for listening to our little fantasy-focused baseball show. Yes, we are back and intending to do a full season of awesome uh, replacement-level podcasts. Um, any final thoughts, Tristan, as we finish up our January and start it? <laughs> I believe that would be moderately beneath replacement podcast. So, you know, as long as we get We're not the, the Mike Calfranco podcast, but we got to be in positive, right? I mean, like we can... <laughs> 
we're the Chesler Cuthbert of the. Of, nah, uh, we're better podcast. than that. Come on, I mean, give us more credit. We're like <laughs> Yandy Diaz, Yandy Trey Diaz. Mancini of podcasts. How about we, that? We need to have a player who's really good in some aspects and just has a that fatal flaw. Jorge Soler. We don't defend well, but we have power, man. There you go. Yeah, you, yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> and we're very inconsistent year over year. That 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 also plays in. No, we're consistent. I I think our consistency is a strength. Actually, we show up every day. Well, not every day anymore, but like we show up. To- <laughs> I'm going to stop now and keep my job. Thank you so much for listening. Great job, as always, by our pal Kyle Sapi. Um, Tristan, awesome job by you as well. Keep up with that wild boar. He can be very dangerous. I'm Eric mm. Carabell. Have an awesome week and month. Everything is awesome. Delicious. I mean, darkness. <laughs>